Training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pendola Project. This is your Monday Motivation. Today, I have Aaron Pendola with me. How are we doing, Aaron? Good. How's everybody out there? Everybody's doing great because you're talking <laughs> to them and they're excited because you've been missing for a few episodes. Where you been? You had again. We had some special guests. Now that we're only doing really the Monday motivations, we don't have you know as much time just for the two of us, which is fine because I think people have very much enjoyed our last few weeks of interviews. I'm sure that people really want to get your opinion on today's topic, which is about aesthetics versus athletics. And I, I always like to refer to you when it comes to stuff like this because I do consider you to be a really top-end, high-level athlete with your background as a professional dancer and then going on to get your black belt in martial arts and doing all sorts of different events that you didn't even necessarily think you would be doing like Spartan, really pushing yourself, challenging yourself in different areas because you knew it was a bit of a threat to you mentally to overcome some of the obstacles, literally and figuratively, in things like Spartan, right? Yes, but you're giving me way too much credit, but thank you. <laughs> and, of course, on the other side of things, we do have the aesthetics, which, uh, you know, again, looking at how you train and why you're doing that particular type of training is is the topic today and, and knowing your why like we talk about all the time on the podcast that's a strong part of it but then also understanding that there are some variables there are some gray areas if you will that you want to put into your training blocks for you it doesn't necessarily have to make sense to anyone else but you but just understanding why you're doing what you're doing in your training is important so we want to talk a little bit about the said principle, and that's the specific adaptions to impose demands. When we have our rituals, when we are training, let's say, three or four days a week, and we get into sort of those set patterns, and today is a leg day, and then the next time I come in, it's going to be chest day, international chest day on Mondays, right? Things like this. We get kind of in these patterns, we're going to talk about why we're doing those particular days. Should we be doing a bro split, right? More of a leg day and then a push pull for the upper body day, things like that. Or should we be mixing it up a little bit with uh, total body integration or even aesthetics? We'll talk about bringing up certain body parts and do we do that? Is it okay to do that? Should we never train like a bodybuilder because we're an athlete, etc.? So I think today is going to be a really good one, especially with the female perspective and body image, things like that, that I know there's a lot of, again, misconceptions about training and do high reps, for example, with low weight. Does that work? Do you do that at all, Aaron, yourself? And why do you do high reps and low weight? That'd be the first question of the day. Uh, the answer is yes, I do, but not every workout. So I vary it up. And honestly, right now, I don't 
necessarily have a plan and I feel like I haven't had a plan for a while just everybody else that's in this position a lot of us that there's nothing really in the foreseeable future that we're training for so it's kind of been nice actually though just to come in and say okay today I'm just going to do this because I feel like it so it really depends on my energy level um just how I'm feeling that day what I want to be excited about training for that day so yeah I will do um high rep low weight but mixing in those heavy days for me right now it's been at least if I'm training five days a week let's say um maybe one to two of those days a week are on the heavier side but I feel like that's something I haven't done as much of so I'm trying to um you know focus on that a bit more and then throwing in more conditioning as well because I will say that not having something to train for not having a Spartan that I'm looking forward to to um, have to train my conditioning as much Um, I have backed off that the last few months so I've just added that back in as well Okay, so one thing that I really want to get out there right from the get-go, Erin, is just talking to one of my athletes. Actually, I trained her years ago, but uh, just talking to her on the phone the other day, and she actually had still that conception that lifting heavy might add too much bulk. And this was a question that she actually had for me for her daughter getting ready for track. And when I say I worked with her years ago, we we worked to get her out of an injury cycle. So once we did that, we were kind of done with her training. We didn't get to the point where with her, we got to really heavy, quote unquote, lifting patterns. So I think that that's where uh, we didn't really get that education in at the time. But I was just really surprised, but I have to remind myself that there's a lot of influence out there and not necessarily in the right direction. So getting your opinion as a female, though, Aaron, is does lifting heavy add bulk to you? Should you be afraid of those heavy weights? Uh, I would say no. Um, I mean, the amount of effort of heavy lifting that you would have to dedicate, I mean, you have to make it a very... Um, concerted effort if that's your goal to to bulk up so just lifting heavy within your training program is not going to bulk you up I mean unless that's your main goal and that's all you're focusing on and that's your intent but even then I mean huge amount of effort would go into quote-unquote bulking up well yeah and even in those cases where you're talking about lifting heavy and then you know, you think about the strong men out there and those guys, they weigh at least, uh, well, they really have to get up to 400 pounds, which is crazy to, to be as strong as humanly possible. But people don't realize that really, if anything, it's all of the additional supportive strength movements they're doing in hypertrophy zones, trying to actually gain as much mass as possible. But the actual heavy, heavy lifts, that's more about, uh, if anything, improving the, the tensile strength, the, the tension you can produce through your grip, for example, and through of course, all of the attachments and the tendons of your body, all of that is reinforced. And that is along the lines of intramuscular strength adaption. So you're using your entire body to be as tight as possible so that the weight is lighter. That doesn't really bulk you up. That everything adds can add a little bit of mass, but that's not what bulks those guys up. It's all of the excessive eating and, of course, all of the 
tons and tons and tons of reps that they're doing besides those heavy lifts to add that mass. And to get back to the client I was talking about with her, her daughter, the, the thought that I have, I think about somebody like Allison Felix, who she, I know, had a really, really good max deadlift rep about, I believe it was three times her body weight. And she was able to do that just before setting the fastest time in the world in the 200 meters. She literally had done that lift from what I read that earlier that week and really just doing a couple few strong reps like that, obviously with good form and, and really good mass specific force helped her run that much faster. But if you look at Allison Felix, you're not looking at a bulky athlete at all. And she was, she really had whips. And so that's going to be the difference guys understanding that these types of modalities, these types of strength uh, positions that you get yourself into or the reps that you're doing all comes down to your understanding about your form and how you're lifting in those reps. Because if you're lifting with good form for you, if you have those positions and you're confident in those positions, lifting heavy can really help you get to that next level but it's not what you have to worry about bulking you with. That's, that's going to be more about your nutrition or more if you're doing intentional higher reps with moderate weight. And that's more of that hypertrophy zone, like eight to 12 reps. Um, but again, you know, I will just finish with this 12 reps and higher that generally speaking is going to be some accumulation that can work for things like face pull aparts or doing anything that's going to really help to support your strength in other areas. But in general, your body will just adapt to that. And after a certain amount of time, you're not getting a lot of response anymore from your body. And it's just a lot of junk reps that you're doing. So just keep in mind that you don't want to be afraid of the heavy weights. You just have to build up to it. But certainly bulking should not be the concern. If anything, the higher reps are going to encourage more of that hypertrophy or that muscle, extra muscle growth. You want to think of it that way. And we talked a little bit about keeping ourselves at, say, 80 to 90% of our fitness year round. Now, I think that's a very reasonable goal. And from there, we have the ability within, say, six weeks to really sharpen up and get ready for a competition. So I, that's, I personally like to at least keep that level of fitness, which it doesn't take as much time as one might think to really do that, especially if you're dialing in your nutrition, your recovery properly. But to get that extra 10% or so from yourself for your peak level, that takes a, a lot more effort, a lot more can be more time consuming, but you know, just a lot more planning in general. So that can be overwhelming. And I don't like to push myself to that limit too often. I, I like to try to quote unquote peak maybe for two times a year or something like that. Um, and that's where I think our training conversation here can steer towards what can we do to maintain a good base level year round and 
how should we change things up? When should we change things up, et cetera? So let's talk about that high rep, low weight for a minute. A lot of people are on higher rep programs. And although the lower weight is going to provide a stimulus for us, especially if we're beginning, and I actually encourage beginners to you know, make sure that they're, for example, focusing more on their breathing patterns and getting that air out longer than they're breathing in and just getting comfortable even rebreathing or holding their breathing patterns at sticking points in their archetype. Say in a squat, you're at the bottom of the squat. And as you come down into that squat and you're doing that knee bend and you get to, let's say, that bottom position, which might be, say, parallel or ass to grass, depending on who you are, then you're re-breathing in that position with light weight. I think that that's a great way to get comfortable with the movement, to really slow the movement down so it's more triphasic, if you will. So you're taking it down slow, you're holding your position, you're taking it up slow. That's a triphasic type of rep. And that allows you to really register things like the breathing pattern. And also, you know, are my knees, uh, are they not uh, in a good position? Do I need to change my foot position? Do I need to work a little bit more on ankle mobility because I can feel the restriction there? The more you take momentum out, I think the better you can register how things are feeling, how your body is moving in these positions. So there is a time and place, I think, for some of the lower weight options that you have. But I'm on the higher rep end of things, I've kind of steered away from that a little bit more with those main compound archetypes like the squat. And because I'm really slowing the breathing down and I'm really slowing the movements down and more triphasic all three of those main planes going down in that eccentric um, position and then holding, rebreathing, then coming up concentrically, that's all going to take maybe, say, 10 to 15 seconds for a single rep. So if I do that for, let's say, five reps, then that could easily be a minute or so to do five reps. And that I prefer as opposed to trying to do, say, 20 reps or 30 reps or even 12 reps. I like to slow down the movement and make that light weight essentially feel harder. And I feel like that is the best way to take that approach with a more compound lift. And although sometimes with things like the supportive strength movements, so movements like your face pull-aparts and movements that deal with, say, abduction of the hip, like doing something that is going to be a little bit more specific to a certain area, I might go a little bit higher reps with low weight in those supportive strength positions that I'm doing. What do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I when you're saying the high rep, low weight, I mean, sometimes the low weight for me is just my body weight, and that's a low enough weight that like I depend on, like I said, when I come in in the morning or whatever, I'm working out, like what's my energy like that day. And to me, a heavy day is so much more energy consuming and I have to be mentally prepared 
more so for that day than I would for say my my body weight or my quote unquote conditioning day. So I'll take those higher reps just at my body weight and I can run through all my archetypes just body weight but switching up the movements and then by 45 minutes of pretty much nonstop activity with just my body weight. I mean I felt like I've gotten my accessory movements in, worked on some of those areas that need more attention that on my heavy days don't get hit quite as well. Um, that's how I've been structuring my, my training as of now. Great. Yeah. And in general, I think it is important that we do lift heavy, that we get progressed to more heavier lifts, especially in the main compound movements that we're discussing here with the squat and the deadlift, uh, things like your bench press or your pull-ups, things like that. But essentially, I don't like to skip the phases before that that we just really discussed in detail where we're owning these positions. If you can breathe and control these positions with lighter weight and you feel confident, then you can start to pick up the weight a little bit more, go through maybe a six to 10 rep range and eventually get yourself down to more like two to five reps at closer to your max effort. Or if you're talking about reps in reserve, I always leave at least one or two reps in the tank. So my reps in reserve will usually get to maybe two to three at my heaviest reps in reserve. That's the way I like to personally do it. But again, if you don't have those prior phases you've gone through, then you go to lift heavy and you're not confident in those positions necessarily. That's where I feel like heavy weights can get a bad rap and you basically weren't ready for those lifts yet, but it didn't mean you shouldn't be working towards that. Yeah, confidence is a big one in that, especially I find like the, the deadlift, for example, is just one of those people have such a mental block where either they have performed a deadlift in the past and hurt themselves so now they're just like nope I never do deadlifts I don't do deadlifts I don't like them they hurt uh so that to me is probably the the biggest one to overcome confidence wise of getting people to be comfortable in that position again and showing them like look you can do this it's just you have to do it properly and I'm going to help you get to that point where you feel that you are ready for that and it's great when people do accomplish something that they were once scared to do or thought that they would never be able to do again and then once they do that one time um, from there it's just it's easy to start even gaining more and more confidence and now trying new and heavier lifts okay so yeah I like to take this point about single leg work as well oftentimes when we are working one leg we're now having to go a little bit lighter, of course, than we would with two legs, right? So at least half the weight usually or less. And a lot of times I'll have my athletes start with maybe about 30% or so of their body weight. And that can work sometimes for an archetype like a single leg deadlift just to get started and to start to get more familiarized with the movement. And... Again, what we're also doing here is we're, we have a lot less weight that we're putting onto our back. And so now we can get a lot more confident in those positions. 
and work our way up to as much as, say, 60% of our max effort but with a single leg. When you do both legs that way, um, you can do the math there. You're actually getting quite a bit stronger and with less weight on your back, and it gives you a nice building period to where you now are going to that um, hex bar deadlift, for example, and you have a better position, you have more confidence, you've equaled out your strength between your legs. If you did have a deficit, let's say, or more challenged side, you've equaled that out. And that I feel like is a good example of about a progression where you can now gain confidence. You're not worried about getting hurt because you've spent a lot of time just getting very familiar with the pattern that you need to be able to follow to hold the right uh, positions for you in the right patterns. That's a good point with the single leg because I will do that well with myself but with clients where even in a squat or something you might be seeing them do a bilateral movement and something is just not right like one hip is not right the ankle's not right on one side so then you say regress but make it a unilateral movement and then each side has its own time to make corrections so then you go back to that bilateral movement whether it's the deadlift or squat and then you can see that their form has cleaned up as well and then by doing the single leg work first, like you said, it gets them confident and comfortable in that movement pattern. And then when they do move um, to that bilateral, they've already had a work upset or two. Right. And so this is a, just a good time to talk about training plans in general. When you're writing up a plan for yourself or when we write them for clients, we're trying to look at where that client really needs to get in more single leg work. And then where we might get away with doing a little bit more bilateral work. So, for example, we might have bilateral squats with single leg hip hinges or deadlift positions. You don't necessarily have to go all single leg, right? Um, but then also, I like to look at the amount of frequency and intensity throughout a week. So do you have time, for example, to train, strength train four days a week? And do you have the energy for that? And does that fit your goal as opposed to doing two or three days a week where you actually might get in better results that way? And, you know, for some people, uh, it could be six days a week. It just a lot of it depends on what your schedule is like, what you have time and energy for. But again, what are you doing outside of the gym? So. I'll just, again, using my example with running, right now I'm trying to get myself ready for 2021. I don't even know what my specific races are going to be yet with COVID. And so I agree with what you said earlier is right now I don't have as much specificity in my plan for a specific race, but I am trying to keep myself in general a little bit more fit and so I'm following that principle that I'm trying to stay within about 80 to 90% of my fitness. That being said, running is still to me the forefront in my energy system development plan. So I will actually run the mountains, get done with that, come back into the gym and get in a little bit of leg work. So that becomes my quote unquote leg day. Even though, in general, I prefer to do more 
total body integration training that works out better so that for me, my legs have a longer recovery time until my next mountain run. That's pretty strenuous on my legs. So I can give myself a good 48 to 72 hours of recovery by actually getting in more leg work after my mountain running is done and just enough that I'm bringing up now some of my weaknesses. So for me, I'm working quite a bit on my calves after my mountain running because that for me, especially my left calf, that is a weakness of mine that I'm trying to bring up. Well, for me, every day is leg day because <laughs> I love working my legs. So, um, yeah, I don't split my days. I try to hit total body, but again, I would probably say that my legs, my hips, legs get more work than uh, overall after, if you looked at the end of the month, yes, probably my lower half gets a little more work, but I always make sure to tie in, like I said, the things that I know that I need to work on constantly, push-ups, pull-ups, those are my my two probably upper body that I know will benefit me the most for what I need. Obviously doing the Spartans, I need to be able to push and pull at least my, my body weight plus, I don't know, 50%, let's say. So that's my, always my goal, um, with, with my training, total body integration, but definitely more focus for aesthetics. If I'm going to be honest, I always feel more confident and I feel like I, by looking better or feeling stronger from the hips down, um, just sets up the rest of my, my program. Right. In our last podcast, Ryan Golick, he talked about the minimum effective dose principle that he's working on, which is essentially just doing as little as possible and getting the most out of it. And so I like in my training right now, I like to keep my sessions pretty short around 30 minutes. Now, Part of that is just the amount of work I have to get done in a day for the business and then also for the energy I have considering the fact that I'm trying to get in a little bit more mountain running right now and that's where more of my time and energy is spent. So that being said, I am doing more of what would kind of look like a bro split at this point, which again, I think would surprise people because I'm always talking about total body integration work. But for me, what's working is I can now bring up some areas. And quite honestly, sometimes it is a little bit more about aesthetics or it can be, and there's nothing wrong with that. So that's where I want to be transparent. And that is um, with my running, my biceps don't need to be bigger. In fact, at a certain point, that can certainly hinder my performance if I am getting too much upper body work in, for example. But I do want to be as strong as possible, and I do want to look good still. I still have those um, the, those wants, I guess you would say, and not a need but a want. So getting in a little bit of focus training on the shoulders and the arms – there's nothing wrong with that. I give myself a day a week where I can really focus in on that to try to bring those body parts up because I will naturally just really lean out. Um, but, you know, as I get closer again to my specific races in 2021, that's where I'll let myself obviously streamline and get leaned out as much as possible so I'm as efficient as possible. But I still believe that even getting in some of that aesthetic work and bringing that up a little bit 
will help overall with even my mountain running. You need a lot of strength and sometimes gaining a little bit of size is not such a bad thing. Well, yeah, when you look good, you feel good. I mean, that's just, to me, a fact. At least that's how I am. If I look good, then that makes me feel good. And then I feel good. I want to do more. And then that cycle just keeps going. And it's a not... It's, it's a good cycle to have. The better you feel, the more you want to do. So the more you do, the better you feel. And it just kind of um, keeps going from there. Yeah. And I just, you know, that's where I think it's important that people looking at goals that they may, for instance, want to be able to lean out a little bit more at times of the year and other times they want to maybe add a little bit of mass. I think huge fluctuations, that might not be a great thing. Um, I think that is stressful on the body. But if I'm within, say, seven or eight pounds of my racing weight, but I feel a little bit better about how I look during the year, plus the fact that it just changes up my training a bit so I don't get bored, I think that's a good thing. And, of course when I'm leaning out for a race and now for that time period, I'm getting uh, to my racing weight. That's, that's also a change that I like to also see. So that's a new goal to look forward to in that six weeks is, okay, now how streamlined can I get? How efficient can I get? And uh, that gives me a perspective though on overall, when I talk to clients or I talk to people just generally interested in what is, fitness. Well, it really comes down to what are your goals? How do you see yourself? What is going to bring you more confidence? All these things are important. So, you know, you might decide that you want to have certain days where you're bringing up areas a little bit more than others and other days that are more dedicated to supporting your strength, things like that. So I think it's important that we just talk about what it is that we can do for our bodies in the long term and not just the short term, but also realizing that within any time period, let's say six to 12 weeks, it's okay to get off of the mark a little bit and change those goals up so you don't get bored. Yeah, boredom can be a killer of motivation and training for sure when you just, you know, you're sick of doing the same old thing. So you're just probably not going to do it. I mean, I've definitely been there. So that is where you have to just get out of the rut and say, okay, today I'm just going to do something different. And for me, um, that might be running, you know, a day of, I've had too much strength training. I'm like, I, I love the strength training. Don't get me wrong. But after six days, let's say maybe not in a row, but six days out of the last, you know, 10 days or whatever that I've, that I've trained, like, I don't even want to touch a weight. So I'm just going to run today, or I'm just going to walk, or I'm going to get on the bike and that's okay. Yeah, and I like to think of it like this. If you are always doing the same thing, your body obviously is going to adapt to that, and you're also going to potentially burn out always doing the same thing. So whether or not we're following linear training progressions or nonlinear training progressions, I think that's another question that we should answer today because I get that question a lot. So if you're not familiar If you're following a linear progression, that would, for example, mean that you're first working on strength and everything you're doing is strength-based. And then you're working on just power and everything is power-based as opposed to working on 
a mix of progressions, right? So you could be doing some stability and balance work. You could be doing some base work like that. You could be doing uh, a little bit of strength and you could be doing a little bit of power, but there's an emphasis in nonlinear training progressions that you should have. So in other words, if you're working on several different aspects of your fitness at once, there's going to be an emphasis on strength. There's going to be an emphasis in the next cycle on power, for example. But that is the preferred method that I would use most of the time. Although I will say that I think that blocked training or linear training, I think that actually can be really useful at times. Again, what is the best training training you haven't been doing? So if you really know, for example, that your stability needs work to put in a block of stability work into say three to six weeks. And I especially like doing something for a few weeks and then test. So I really think if you just take four week period of time, I might work on stability for an introduction for my new training uh, program one week, the next week we're progressing that and I'm trying to get more confident in that stability. And then the peak week, I'm challenging that stability as much as I can, and then I will test it. So it's important to test at the beginning of a training cycle and then retest. So in that fourth week, I'll test it. Then I usually take the rest of the week to decompress, give my body a break, do some cross training, something simple usually that's not intensive, um, go for a hike or whatever. And then the next training period, I'm deciding what do I need to do? Do I need to continue with this stability work or should I now move into more strength work? So those times I think blocks can be good where you are focused almost entirely on one thing at a time. And then overall, I prefer to get in something to do with each of those factors. So I might warm up and get make sure I start with some stability, for example, then do something explosive and get my nervous system primed up, work on that power, then go into my uh, strength, finish off with some strength for that day. So that might be an example of how I do a nonlinear progressive workout. Yeah, speaking as the trainer here, not the client, but as the trainer to my clients, some most of my clients I see them, you know, twice a week. That's for me the most common schedule. So if I only have people in here two days a week, then both of those days generally are nonlinear or most of their entire program is nonlinear because I feel like I have two out of the seven days to, to be effective with you. So I'm going to try to hit each phase or each, um, how would I say that? Each cycle, each cycle. Yeah. yeah. The strength, the power, the stability, um, because I feel like that's necessary. But on the flip side of that, I do have a client that I train, um, mostly virtually, I'll see her once a month, we come in and we do that reassessment or a, a retest and we go through. Then when she's on her own, she's more of a linear approach because she's working on some past injuries that need to be addressed. And so for her, it is a little more of that um, linear approach where right now we're just working on strength. And we've been doing that for the last, well, this will be her fourth week coming up and then I'll reassess. And then maybe at that point, she might go through another four weeks of um, just strength depending. So again, it just really depends on if you're talking about your clients, who, who you're dealing with. And then when it comes to yourself, of course, knowing how you, what you need to train for yourself. Yeah. I mentioned before that right now I am getting into a little bit more of these 
splits that are almost like bro splits. But again, if you look at my entire week, I'm doing all of this mountain running. I have only so much time and energy, but I am training every day, six days a week. I'll take Sundays off completely. So you're looking at a six-day plan for me right now, which is why that works in those blocks really well. But I'm going to throw a stone here and say I can't stand it when I hear about somebody hiring a trainer and they're only coming into the gym a couple days a week with their trainer and they do a leg day. Now, how, how much can you really get out of that one leg day? You know, if you're Ronnie Coleman and, and you're at that level of a bodybuilder and you have a leg day and you trash your legs because you're that elite and you can get that extreme. And by the way, probably paying the, for that later on in your life, like, like he has, um, that's, that makes sense for that type of person, that type of athlete, Ronnie, Ronnie Coleman, best bodybuilder of all time, maybe. Right. And so I'm sure that he would tell you that he would do that all over again to, to win his Mr. Olympia titles, even though he's had countless back surgeries now. Right. But my point to that is that the amount of effort and time and intensity you're putting onto your legs in one day, you could get a lot more out of that by sharing the workload and getting more done with your whole body over a two or three day period. So I do think total body work is the way to go, especially with clients that are only getting in two or three sessions a week. And let's assume that conditioning also has to be in those training sessions for most of our clients they do because they're not really doing much outside of the gym. And I'm happy to be honest with you if I am if I have a client that is coming in at two or three times a week, I will do with them that more intensive work that takes uh, a little bit more structure. And then on the other days, if they're walking easier, if they're keeping the easy days easy and their heart rate, we actually get much, much better results. I mean, we both have stories about clients losing, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 pounds actually doing way less with us than they were doing before because now you're talking about all these principles with recovery and homeostasis and the body hormonally getting a better outcome. So to, to wrap this up, I think that we're talking about keeping things simple, but also remembering that your body is amazing at adaption and responds to stress. You just have to decide, is this stress appropriate for your eventual goals? And I think for most people, looking at total body integration a couple or a few days a week is a great way to go. If you have more time in your schedule and you can train multiple times a week, I think that's when you can block things up a little bit more and have more specificity. And with more training in your background, if your history is 10 years veteran training in the gym, then of course your body can take more reps and take more overall sets. And that might be even where it's necessary to, um, to, to turn things a little bit more into a push pull day, for example, for the upper body. Um, but for most cases, I do think that you're better off with total body training and, and really sharing that workload and accumulating those reps and sets 
over a three-day period for all your muscles each each time you're still working all your muscles well we hope you enjoyed this episode and got some useful information out of it uh please check out our instagram at pendola project matt has a couple trips coming up um, with some very special people that will be uh, talking about coming up soon and we have some interviews set up for the next few episodes so uh, we hope you guys enjoy thanks guys Thanks.